Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today. Welcome back to New, to New York Game Day here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. I'm Amani Toomer, joined by Mike Tannenbaum. And uh, Mike, what's going on this morning? Well, I mean, everyone's here to hear your prediction of how the Giants are going to beat the Dolphins today, so uh, I'm just along for the ride. Uh, Mike, I think I might break the streak today. This this one doesn't look like a fair fight, but, you know, that's why they play the games, and it's on any given Sunday, you never know who's going to win. But let's bring in Jordan Renan uh, with the uh, Renan Report, uh, brought to you by Sansun Auto Mall. Uh, Jordan? Yeah, we know you're down there in the war- in warm weather, but man, it's well, let's hope on the field the scoreboard doesn't get too warm for the Miami Dolphins going up against our our New York Giants. Yeah, I really just want to you could come up with a way to find out that how the Giants can win this game. I'm interested <laughs> in that too, man. Twelve and a half point. I just checked. Twelve and a half point underdogs. So Saquon, he's not expected to play. He didn't look good the other day at practice. Trying to running back to have to, you know, no Andrew Thomas. Uh, offensive line kind of in shambles right now. No John Michael Schmitz, the center. Uh, if they're in for a toss. It's really the only way for the Giants to keep this close and muck it up is to muck it up, right? Run the ball. Um, the people on the defense told me the only way to slow down this Miami offense is to out-physical them, right? You're not going to outrun them. So they have to dominate up front defensively just to slow down this offense. You're not going to shut down this offense. You know what's really interesting to me, Jordan, is like I'm really looking forward to watching the tape tomorrow and just seeing the approach that Don Martindale has from this standpoint. Like we all know like he wants to blitz. He wants to play man-to-man on the outside. Like that's what he believes in, and I totally get that, respect it, and seen it be very successful. But I just wonder if today he's going to say, you know, we just can't, we're not built to do that against this team. You know, will he come out and, and rush for, play a little bit more conservatively, play a little bit more zone and try to tackle and create turnovers? I'm just curious, what, what do you think he's thinking, and how do you think they're going to defend Miami? Yeah, I do think we'll see more of that. Uh, and like I said, like, you know, the way when I said that they need to win up front, they're talking about, okay, all right, one-on-one, they have Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Tavon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari. You know, those guys have to win their one-on-one matchups, right? They have to dominate. Uh, Miami offensive line, which, be realistic, isn't great. They're without their left tackle now, too, in Toronto Armstead. But, yeah, I think they'll dial it back a little bit. But, man, Wink... You know, he believes in what he believes in, and that's pressure breaks life, and so he's still going to bring blitzes. I just think he's going to be a little more careful about when and where they're coming from. Now, you look at this secondary, you have two starting corners that are rookies in Trey Hawkins, the third, and Deontay Banks. How are these guys going to approach this situation? They have a daunting task with one of the most explosive fastest wide receivers in the cheetah and 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 waddle how i mean what is their mindset going into this game knowing that they're going to about to get face the ultimate test in the nfl and uh and and 
and how are they mentally getting ready for that? Yeah, um, look, there's Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and they play a lot on the outside. So in this game, Adoree Jackson is going to be playing outside. Trey Hawkins kind of was a little bit uh, – you know, he, he kind of was out of the rotation uh, last week a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see that again. Cordell Flott is going to play in the slot today. Mm-hmm. Adoree Jackson is going to be mostly on the outside gotcha. along with Banks. So I think, in a way, the Giants are preparing to say, look, we know, you know, we, we need our best cornerback, who is Adoree Jackson, whatever you may think of him. He hasn't been great this year. But he is their best cornerback, and they're going to need him to cover Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill, who, you know, they play in the slot too, but they primarily uh, do most of their damage on the outside. So. I think that's what we're going to see from there. And Deontay Banks, you know, you, you talk to him and you've been up against enough corners, uh, Amani. Especially when you're young, you're a first-round pick. You guys are confident. Maybe, you know, <laughs> they almost have to be overconfident, yeah. right? And, and I'm saying cocky, but not even in, like, a bad way. Like, if you're a cornerback, you have to be confident and cocky and think you're almost better than you are because you're going to get beat in this league. And you have to just be able to, you know, put it aside and, and think you're going to win that next rep and win that rep every time and be able to run with Tyreek Hill. Like, that's the mindset, I think, that Deontay Banks has coming into this game. But you know what? Just to add to that, um, <clears throat> Dory Jackson is one of the few corners in this league. He could run with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Not a lot of guys could do that. I, I'm going to... It'll be interesting to see how much man-to-man they play because, look, Deontay Banks is a rookie. I, I agree, you know, having Flot move inside, that makes a ton of sense. But um, it'll be interesting because, I, I like, I'm a big Adoree Jackson fan. I think he'll be able to hold up. What, to me, what makes Miami dangerous is you're always going to roll coverage to Hill. Like, how are they going to hold up against Waddle? Yeah, obviously a healthy Jalen Waddle. Missed some time with a concussion recently, you know, takes this offense kind of that to that next level, which is why they scored 70 points in the game. And you heard Wink this week say, you know, like somebody asked him what it's like thinking, watching the team score 70 points. And he said, his wife called him earlier in the week and she said, How you doing? And he said, He's sleeping like a baby, meaning that he's waking up every two hours. Eating, crying, <laughs> and enjoying back to sleep. That's a great one. Uh, but one thing that we've yeah. that has been much maligned about this secondary, not has just been the coverage, but the tackling. And uh, Xavier McKinney is not having the type of year that he's had before. Hopefully he can get back on track. We're all rooting for him. But, you know, uh, Pinnock is had, J- Jason Pinnock is having a pretty, uh, pretty decent season. What, what can they do to improve the tackling? Uh, from two weeks ago to last week, and now going against some one of the, some of the most elusive uh, playmakers in in, the, in this league. Yeah, I think it was better last week. To be honest with you, I know that one yeah, play kind of sticks in people's minds because it was bad, and the sideline was there, and it was a, the problem was that that was Okereke and Adoree Jackson. Like those are two guys; those are two of your veterans. You need them to make those plays. Uh, but in general, I thought it was better, and. And Wink's kind of said this a little bit. It's been uh, under the microscope and sort of multiplied a little bit in that that was the 49ers that game when it was horrible, right? And Debo Samuel is literally the best player in the league at yards after, you know, catch or whatever. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is one of the best in the NFL. George Kittle is one of the best in the NFL at yards after catch. Like, that team, in part, made it look worse because that's what they do. Like, that's why they're a great team. Uh, so I think it's sort of self-correcting in a way. Obviously, last week, they put a lot of emphasis on it. They, they were better tackling last week, even though, you know, they lost on Monday night to Seattle. Uh, and this is – look, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, they'll run around you. They're not going to run through you like Debo Samuel is. So I think it's a different kind of challenge with the tackling. It's more, you know, work on your angles, protect your angles, use the sideline as your friend, which they didn't do last week. Then, all right, wrap, bring them to the ground. Like Tyreek Hill's not running through a lot of tackles, or and Jalen Waddle's not either. Once you, you know, 
have your arms on them and, and uh, you know, wrap to some degree. You know, one other thing, uh, talking about how you slow down Miami is, you know, get there with four and, you know, the, this front just hasn't been productive. Kayvon Thibodeau, despite having three sacks to me, really hasn't been impactful. Ojolari, uh, you know, none of these guys really to me ha- have produced. Like, who do you think of the guys that are playing today, Jordan, ha- has the best chance to impact this game? Well, they don't, they don't have their starting left tackle, so that is a big boost for Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari. I mean, they move around, but they need to be big, but I think it really falls on Dexter Lawrence, right? He's played well, but they need him to just wreck games. And he's the guy they paid. That you know, he's the one who got paid this offseason. He got the big money. Uh, they need him to really wreck games in the middle and make things uncomfortable for Tua, where he can't just sit in the pocket. Because if Tua, Tua sits in the pocket, it's over. Great quarterback on the run, right? That's not his strength. So I think it's up to. Dexter Lawrence here to really have a huge game and make Tua get off his spot. And then I think that throws off the timing, because this is a timing offense, this Miami offense. Tua, whatever you think about him, is not just super mobile. He's not Patrick Mahomes who's going to run around back there and then sling it on the run. He doesn't have that kind of arm. But if you let him just sit back there in the pocket, this offense with Mike McDaniel, and, and by the way, Wink Martindale just raved about Mike McDaniel and the scheme that he has and the way he schemes and the way he attacks, you know, vertical and horizontal, uh, you know, holes in your defense. And so to me, it's Dexter Lawrence. He's got to have a big game. He's the guy that paid the big money to this offseason. Uh, it's time for him to really make a, a difference. And, uh, you know, there's a big opportunity for them today to shock the world, really. I don't think anybody gives them a chance in Miami today. Except the money. Except the money. Oh, man. Come on now. Um, (laughs) Daniel Jones, um, Jordan. Daniel Jones, you know, had a tough game last week. Uh, Had some blow-ups on the sideline last weekend. Um, What did they say about those explosions? And how are they trying – I mean, how are they trying to get Daniel Jones back to the player that he was last year? Uh, you know, with no, with very few turnovers, very efficient with the football, seemed to always know where to throw the ball uh, when he hit his fifth or seventh step, whichever drop he's going in. I, I just don't see the 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 definitive decision making like he had last year. So, what what are the coaches saying about what is Mike Kafka saying and, and, uh, and Brian Dable? What are they saying about Daniel Jones right now? Yeah, they're they're trying to do things that allow them to get the ball out of his hands super fast. I mean, look at like how the depth of his throws, uh, how quick they're throwing. They're max protecting like crazy to kind of get him, uh, try to get him comfortable because it's pretty clear he doesn't have trust in his offensive line. And this is kind of what we saw early in Daniel Jones' career. Like, uh, offensive line that wasn't very good, to be frank, it just wasn't good. Uh, and... He was under constant pressure, and when that constant pressure comes, you see Daniel Jones, like, things start moving fast for him. Mm-hmm. He's not confident. He's not going through his reads. He doesn't think he has time. And that's what, that's what we've been seeing here. I really think the only way for them to get around that this week, because the offensive line is potentially in worse shape than ever. I mean, they're, they're starting from left to right. Josh Zudu, Mark Lewinsky, Ben Bredesen, who's now at center. He's a better guard than he is a center. Um, Marcus McKeithen and Evan Neal. You can make the argument those are four well below average guys at their current position. Of five well below average guys at each position. It's hard to run offense that way. So I don't think they, Daniel Jones thinks much of the hard coaching you see on the sideline. Look, we saw that last year in the opener in Tennessee, right? And what did he do? He ended up turning it around and having a great year. So. I don't think that kind of stuff bothers them, but they're just trying to find ways to run any sort of offense uh, consistently, and it's hard with the offensive line in the shape that it is now. Like I said, I think they're going to muck it up, try and run the ball more today. Maybe you'll see Daniel Jones use his legs even more, although he used them a lot last week, but that's what they have to resort to. Even like when they went back to pass last week, 
they needed to max protect. So mm. now you have Darren Waller chipping constantly. You're kind of taking your biggest weapon and you're minimizing him. They're really in like a no-win situation right now. Yeah, well, you know, that's why they play the games. You know, they made a movie off of it. Any given Sunday, anything can happen, Jordan. Uh, but thanks a lot for the, uh, for your insight onto, what, onto Big Blue. Thanks, Jordan. Um, and, you guys, uh, I'll be tuning in for your prediction, Amani, all right? Oh, man, you definitely tune in. Make sure you hear. <laughs> I'm going to do some mental gymnastics and try to figure out how I'm going to make this thing work. But uh, thanks a lot, Jordan. Well, that's Jordan Renan. Uh, the, the Jordan Renan's Giant Report brought to you by Sansun Auto Mall. Uh, discover the S in Sansun Savings. That's uh, uh, at Sansun Dodge Jeep and Ram. Oh, we're, we're overstocked with Wrangler 4xE models, and they all must go on Route 1 in Woodbridge, New Jersey, or shop online at SansunJeep.net. We're going, to be, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back, uh, and we'll go all around the football league. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. It is time for Around the League, brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Gentlemen, just to get you up to speed on some of the news and notes, Kenny Pickett. Expected to be 100% today for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Going against the Baltimore Ravens. Pittsburgh getting four and a half at home. That would be the side that I am on. Um, Also, Jimmy Garoppolo, passing concussion protocol. He will be active and attractive on Monday night. Carr is going to give it a go. Burrow said that his calf feels better than it has in quite a while. Keep in mind, we have four teams on a bye today. Cleveland, the Chargers, the Seahawks, and the Bucks. So for all you fantasy football freaks out there, make sure. Also, we've got a game in London kicking off in just a few minutes minute so make sure your rosters are set in regard to uh, running backs Javante Williams not expected to play hopefully you picked up McLaughlin Uh, he's going to get the bulk of the carries in the backfield for the Denver Broncos Adam Schefter reporting that Saquon Barkley more than likely is not going to play Jonathan Taylor in action will he be on a pitch count many people believe that he will be Jamar Gibbs for the Detroit Lions not expected to play today heavy dose of Montgomery as for wide receivers Cooper Cup back in action for the Rams not expected to be on a pitch count Jamison Williams uh, off of suspension. So we'll see what his role will be with the Detroit Lions offense, especially since Amal Ross St. Brown doubtful dealing with abdominal injury. T Higgins question mark for the Cincinnati Bengals. Trayon Burks is out. 
Claypool traded to the Miami Dolphins. That will be interesting to see how he will be utilized. Will not be playing today. But gentlemen, uh, let's take a dive into this uh, this London game. Mike, I want to start with you. The Jaguars have been there for almost two weeks. The Buffalo Bills, the normal travel for teams, you know, fly in. It's a six or seven hour plane flight. Do you feel that the Jags being in London for almost two weeks helps or hurts them in any way? Yeah, I think it's a, a like a significant, significant advantage for Jacksonville today. So much so that if this game is close, I, I don't think uh, I, I really like Jacksonville today. I, look, I don't know if Amani ever went over, um, but I've been with teams. We were in Tokyo. Uh, I went to uh, London multiple times. Players hate it. You know, some will say publicly the right things because they need to, but like the reality behind the scenes, they hate it. Players are very idiosyncratic. Mm-hmm. You know, they were great high school players. They were great college players. Some were overpaid in college like Imani, but most ah. of them go on and do great <laughs> things. And, you know, what happens, Anita, is because of their, they, they believe in their foundation and what has made them great, you know, how they eat, how they hydrate, how they study, and they hate when that routine gets uh, broken up. So the fact that Jacksonville is there for two weeks allows them to get into more routine and Buffalo is going over there. I think this is a huge advantage for Jacksonville. Interesting. I Cause I think, I think it's a disadvantage um, in that, you know, they've been away from, from home for so long. I actually look at it in a lot of distractions, guys there, they've never been there before. They want to do this. They want to do that. They're out of their, co- I, it, it's interesting uh, Amani, you you break the tie here. Yeah, advantage no, I, or disadvantage? I think it's an advantage. I mean, I've been over to London, and I we, we I was in the inaugural one, the first game. I actually dropped the first touchdown pass in London uh, overseas. Eli Manning threw me a ball that was just a little bit too high. I'll never forgive him for that. I thought I'd be the first person to catch a touchdown in in, uh, in international series, but. That, and let that to be said, take myself out of it. I loved it. I enjoyed playing it out there. I tell you, we had the best time after the game. We, it was like a, uh, a Iron Man thing. You were you were so tired in such a strange place. Uh, the grass was horrible because they have you know the soccer grass is like it's like um, it's like a putting green. So you imagine a putting green. Then you have people with seven studs with three hundred pounders with seven studs on a putting green. And then throw on the rain. It was a mud bath, and uh, it, but I, I enjoyed it. And I think that being out there for a longer period of time, my experience, I thought, I wish we would have played. We'd have came out on Monday and stayed the whole week, so that we would have gotten to adjust to the time difference and uh, would have just been a lot more comfortable um, playing there. It was a very awkward situation when I first went out there. I would have loved to go out there and stay a week. I mean, how many guys are going to be able to spend a week in London? Um, you know, throughout their entire lives. So I think it's a great experience for some of these players if they look at it such way. Guys, let's let's talk about let's talk about the uh, the rookie quarterback play we've seen so far, and uh, and CJ Stroud has just been absolutely tremendous. Very interesting game today. The Texans going up against the Falcons now. Mike CJ Stroud is favored as the offensive rookie of the year, but keep in mind coming into the season, uh, Bijan Robinson was. Knowing Arthur Smith, do you feel that this is going to be a game where Arthur Smith is like, all right, I'm going to feed my rookie running back. I'm going to have him just run all over the Texans uh, to show them that we actually have the better rookie. Uh, this is, this is I, I think the storyline behind the Texans and the Falcons today is going to be very interesting. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, I, I give uh, C.J. Stroud a, a ton of credit. They're getting back a couple offensive linemen, Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard. Um, John Mechie was sick. He'll be playing today. And what's really hurting Atlanta, Anita, is Desmond Ritter. Um, reality is he's just not good enough. He's not an NFL starting quarterback. Can't get the ball down the field. And um, that's th- the way they want to play football. You know, first of all, they have great skill players. Kyle Pitts is still hurt, but they got Drake London. And obviously, as you mentioned, B. John Robinson. So to me, this is not a team that could get behind. And, um, I, I just uh, you got a great skill group, and I think their quarterback's just not good enough. So uh, if they could keep it close and they could keep that run game going, I like Atlanta. But C.J. Stroud's played exceptional football. Guys, last but not least, and we're up against a break, so we got to make it quick. Uh, this Cowboys 49ers game later on tonight is really, really interesting. Um, Christian McCaffrey has 13 straight games with a touchdown. 15 is the NFL record. 
So if he reaches 15, then he ties O.J. Simpson and John Riggins. If he gets 16, then he breaks the record. Um, as we know, and it's been well documented, Kyle Shanahan was his babysitter growing up. So this is a family affair. I think they go for this, not just through 16 to break the record. I, I think that Christian McCaffrey, as long as he can stay healthy, is going to be in line to score a touchdown every single game of every regular season game this season, uh, just to blow that record out of the water. On top of that, I think the 49ers are the better team here. Uh, I, I have the 49ers winning tonight, especially the Cowboys rush defense has, has not been stellar, but, um, but Mike, let, let's start with you, your thoughts again, quickly, uh, you know, do you feel that this is a record that Kyle Shanahan is in and Christian McCaffrey are going to try to achieve? No, I think it just comes in the flow of the game. I like Dallas tonight. You know, you go back to that game uh, in January, about minute 18 to go in the first half, second and two. Dak throws a terrible pick. Mike McCarthy's not going to let that happen tonight. And uh, I like Dallas, despite not having Trayvon Diggs. Brock Purdy's playing great football 20-21 a week ago. Um, I just think this is the game that Dallas gets over the hump against the 49ers. Really quickly, Imani, who do you have tonight? Uh, I got the Niners. I grew up a Niner fan, so I'm bang, bang, Niner gang all the way. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they have so many good players on every level of that team that that's going to overwhelm a team that is is Dallas team is solid, but they have holes, right? They have holes where uh, the Niners don't. They ask a lot of Dak Prescott, and I don't know if he's up for the challenge. I think Brock Purdy, they ask a lot less of him in terms of what, you know, has as well as he plays doesn't determine whether this Niner team, this Niner team wins or lose. There's so many different, different players, both on offense, on defense, and they just got Gregory as well. I just feel like this team is just too, too stacked, too loaded, and they're going to eventually, Cream's going to rise to the top and they're going to beat these, uh, beat the Cowboys. Gentlemen, when we come back, Rich Samini is going to be joining us. We'll get an update. The Jets, uh, of course, they're in mile high. I would imagine an emotional game. Again, uh, Sean Payton's comments. And still, yet today, has not called Nathaniel Hackett and apologized. Uh, Also, we'll hear from Jeff Legwald, who's covered the Denver Broncos for quite a while for ESPN. So all that coming your way at the top of the 10 o'clock hour, by the way, guys. Locks of the week went 3-0 last week. So I'm 9-6 on the season, which is 60%. Can I do it again? Hopefully so. And we also have Mike Mac Tannenbaum's Bomb of the Week coming your way in the 10 o'clock hour. Mike, what were you going to say? That's a D, Anita. 60%. That's a D. Not in gambling, dude. (laughs) Not in gambling, baby. No. All right. (laughs) Sit tight. We got Rich Samini coming your way next right here at 90.7 ESPN. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. And right now, we're going to the Rich Samini Report brought to you by London Jewelers. Rich, uh, how's it looking? How things uh, for our Jets this weekend? Good morning, guys. Uh, beautiful day in Denver. It's going to be uh, a postcard day, so I don't think weather will be factor at all. Mid-70s. And, uh, yeah, I think this is a toss-up game. Um, two teams, obviously, one and three. The Broncos got back last week and uh, pulled out one against Chicago. And even though the Jets lost last week, the, the vibe in the locker room uh, all week was very positive, especially when it came to Zach Wilson coming off his career best game. So even though they lost last week, I think the Jets are hoping to build on that positive momentum that they showed on offense. Uh, do you think? Uh, oh, sorry. Do you think they're they're built? They can build on that success. I mean, do you think that there's something that Nathaniel Hackett's going to do to 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 keep this train rolling with Zach Wilson? Well, I hope they have a similarly uh, aggressive game plan that they showed last week. I mean, after two weeks of just basically trying not to lose uh, with the Dallas and the New England game plans, they really opened it up last week, and I think you saw more first down passing. Uh, you saw a little bit more motion in the offense. Uh, Wilson doesn't mind motion at all in the offense, whereas Aaron Rodgers does not. You know, things are pretty static when Rod- Rodgers plays. He, he doesn't like guys motioning and shifting. So they added that wrinkle to the offense last week. And, look, I'm like, Denver is last in scoring defense. I mean, they're last in pretty much every major statistical category on defense, so I would think the opportunity is there 
to uh, have another offensive day. Rich, a lot was made of uh, Sean Payton's comments over the summer about Nathaniel Hackett's job when he was the head coach of the Broncos a year ago. Uh, in your opinion, you're, nobody knows this team better than you. You're around there every day. Do you think that's going to impact today's game? Well, I look, Mike, I don't know, bulletin board stuff and, and that sort of stuff. Does it have an impact on the game? That's impossible to, to quantify, but I do know this. Even though Hackett did his best to downplay that, and almost laughably so at his press conference, he was very nervous and giving clipped answers to questions about the, the Peyton situation. I did talk to some players in the locker room who said it's absolutely on their mind. Connor McGovern, the center, told me uh, he was very candid. He said, you know, Peyton and the Broncos threw Hackett under the bus. They did it dirty. Uh, we're absolutely going to try to go out and get payback for, for our coach. So uh, Connor McGovern usually a guy who's got his finger on the pulse of what's going on in the locker room. So, Mike, if the Jets win this game today, I bet you Nathaniel has to get the game ball and they make a big deal out of it afterwards. So you're looking at this team and, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson is playing well as, as a wide receiver, but, you know, needs more opportunities. Uh, how are they going to create some big plays in this offense uh, with Zach Wilson and, and, um, and get the ball down the field and put some points on to put some pressure on the, De- the Denver Broncos uh, to, to match them scoring-wise? Yeah, well, it's going to be an interesting matchup today. I mean, you're right. Wilson is really a, a good receiver, but the Broncos, Patrick Sertan, is an outstanding corner. And uh, if they assign uh, Sertan, I don't know if he'll travel with Wilson, but if they do – go that route, then the Jets are going to have to look for other ways to, to put points on the board. I think Tyler Conklin has a chance to do some stuff today. I think the Broncos have been having some issues with tight end coverage, so I would keep an eye on Conklin as a guy who might put up some numbers. Uh, but, of course, I think the story on offense today, other than the obvious, it's going to be a Zach Wilson story, but Brees Hall is a guy to keep an eye on. Robert Salas said on Wednesday that he's no longer on a pitch count, so there are no playing time restrictions for Brees Hall. Uh, they got to get him the ball more. He's averaging eight carries per game. That is partly because of the pitch count, but also partly that they haven't been able to sustain drives and get enough running plays, so they have to get him more than eight carries. Uh, I think most Jet fans are tired to see him Dalvin Cook get the ball that much. He's just not been productive. Uh, they got to get the ball to Brees Hall. On the other side of the ball, Rich, you know, I think I would characterize the Jet defense as being good so far, uh, certainly not playing to their potential. Um, you know, quietly, um, Russell Wilson has sort of like regained his footing here. Um, what are your thoughts on that side of the ball today? Yeah, I think I would agree with that characterization, Mike. Um, you know, they've been good, but not nearly as good as they could be. I mean, they played uh, two really good games against arguably the two best quarterbacks in the league, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I mean, they did an outstanding job against those two guys. In fact, I had this note in in my uh, column today, the Jets have not given up a second-half touchdown in seven straight games, which is pretty incredible. And I think it's a credit to to the players and also the coaches for making good halftime adjustments. And you're right about Wilson. I think people wrote him off last year. He's got nine touchdown passes. He's tied for second in the league and touchdown passes. I think he's ninth in passing yards. So, And he's putting the ball downfield. He's pushing it downfield. They get a lot of chunk plays, a lot of explosive plays. And so I think they're going to try to go vertical on the Jets today, who, by the way, as we all know, won't have uh, D.J. Reed in their secondary. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they won't have D.J. Reed in their secondary. He's out. Um, but Sauce Gardner uh, had a costly penalty last week. And you know, allowing the um, uh, you know that could have changed the game for the Kansas City Chiefs in their in the Jets' favor. What is Sauce Gardner's approach now? I mean, how does he? What is this? You know, having a young player who's had a lot of success winning Defensive Rookie of the Year, all of a sudden now he's uh, has a play that inevitably like, caused the Jets to lose. What is his mindset like? What what is what's something that he's going to have to do to get over this? Well, he's having a really good year, in spite of that penalty, uh, and it was a debatable penalty. I, no, it know, wasn't. Obviously, he, he no, just, it wasn't rich. He, he, that, that was a textbook uh, defensive hold. He he hooked and yeah. he restricted. Now, were there other calls in the game that could have been called? Absolutely, but that call, like that, was the right call. 
you know, let me finish my statement, Mike. I was going to, it was the right call. I think what Sauce's objection was, and, and, uh, and uh, Salah's objection was, was just what you said. They didn't call it consistently through the, throughout the game, and he just wanted some uh, consistency from the officiating. Uh, by definition, that was a holding call. There's no doubt about it. He did hook him. I think Sauce's contention was that it was a collision there, you know, that it was an unintentional collision. But if you look at it really closely, he did have his arm wrapped around uh, uh, Scanling's uh, shoulders. So, yeah, but Sauce Gardner's had a really good – he hasn't had any – he did have that drop in Dallas, too. So those are the two moments that stick out from his year. But uh, I, I, I still think he's having a real solid year in coverage. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Rich, you, you, it's not the first time or the last time we'll debate something. I think he has great potential, but you know, you go back to the Farrow Brown play against the Patriots, drop coverage there for a big touchdown. Look, he he's a really good player, um, but there have been some consequential moments, and it did bother me coming out of the Jet facility this week about all the complaining about that call, given the fact that maybe the most consequential call of the game was the face mask in the end zone. That should not have been a safety because. The face mask actually started in the field of play, and it, and it should not have been two points for the Jets. So those things typically have a chance to even out. But it will be interesting to see if Sauce Gardner travels today or if they just keep him on one side with you know DJ Reed being out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do at corner. Uh, you know, they have Michael Carter the second, who's usually their slot guy. Uh, I think there's a chance they could move him to the outside. Uh, have him play both, you know, slot maybe on, in three receiver situations, and then move him outside when it's just two. Or they could bring Bryce Hall off the bench. Uh, Bryce Hall is a guy who started for them in his rookie year, but has been pretty much buried at the bottom of the depth chart since then. He, he doesn't play much at all on defense. I think he played it, you know, just a couple of snaps last week, and so he could get the start on the outside. I think that would be a really. I mean, the Broncos have good receivers. This Marvin Mims Jr., this rookie. Yep. He's got a lot of potential. You know, he's got he can push the he's got some chunk plays. You know, he's explosive, and so they're going to have to watch him. I think the you know the Broncos are going to go right after the Jets corner, whoever that second corner is. Yeah, so the the Sean Payton thing goes going back to that. Uh, you saying some of the players said something about how they're going to go out there and play extra, you know, play for him. I mean, I I just really have a problem with players. You know, the, the the main thing is the main thing. The guy you're playing against is who you really have to focus on. I don't care about the coaches. I don't care about my coach. I don't care their coach because I'm the one that's going to be embarrassed. I, I I don't know. I just feel like uh, the, this is a little, little overplayed. I don't think it's overplayed. I mean, when do you ever hear a coach come out and say something that critical about another coach? Yeah, but um, you hear trash you talk know, maybe, all the time, 24 hours a day when you're playing football. Yeah, maybe the players are overplaying it. I think that's what you mean, Amari. Yeah. I, I mean, the story itself is not overplayed. I mean, when Peyton said no, that it's a great at the story. end of July, early. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge it's a huge story, and they're going to be talking about it on the telecast throughout the game today. It's sort of like the main subplot for this game. And... You know, I mean, is that going to make the Jets' offense play harder because they're thinking of Nathaniel Hackett in their head during the game? I mean, I doubt that. But it is something out there that makes for a good conversation during the week in the locker room. So, Rich, uh, with all that said, how do you see this game unfolding? Well, I have the Jets winning a close one. But, you know, like I said at the top, I think this is just a toss-up. I mean, I think people are underestimating Denver because of that 70-point game. I mean, they had that horrific game against Miami, and it skewed all their stats. And I think a lot of Jet fans are looking at those numbers and saying, oh, the, the Jets should just walk all over this, this team. But Sean Payton is a really good coach. He's going to have a plan, that, that, especially in the first half, that the Jets better be prepared for. The Jets defense has had issues in the first half. They, they just come out, and they seem to be on their heels for as good as they are in the second half of games. They really don't react well when they start off the game. And whether that's a, maybe a preparation issue or, or something, they're just not seeing it correctly early in games. And they better beware because Peyton is a very, very good offensive coach and play caller. But I, I think the Jets are going to be able to run the ball on this team and pull out a, a very close victory. Yeah, the Jets, they need this victory. They need this victory bad for their season. Uh and I think that Zach Wilson, his progress has definitely sparked something on both sides of the ball. Uh, what else do yeah, you think that yeah. this? Go ahead. No, to, to that point of my, you know, what's interesting, guys. Like, and I hate to overreact, but like, because we're sitting here on October eighth. But you know, when you start looking at the math, the loser of today's game is really going to have a tough time making the playoffs in the AFC. 
um, just given what their record will be, and this will be a conference loss for you know whoever loses this game. Yeah, I mean, one and four is is pretty close to a death sentence in the NFL. I mean, the Jets have to play Philly at home next week. That's going to be a, a very, very difficult game. And then they have the bye week, and then the Giants coming out of the bye. But you're right, Mike, if they win this game, I mean, it changes the complexion of their season. Uh, presumably, if they win, Zach Wilson will, will have at least a decent game. And so that gives them that more momentum at the quarterback position. And then suddenly, you know, you know, they got a little, they got a little streak going, and they feel good about going into Philadelphia. It changes the look of their season. But if they lose and Wilson plays poorly, people are going to be screaming for Trevor Simeon, who, by the way, will will be inactive today. He's, he's still on the practice squad. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, this is a very, very pivotal game because it's a winnable game for the yeah. Jets. I just looked this up yesterday. I saw the Jets had the hardest schedule in the league through the first four games, according to ESPN Analytics. And now they have the 14th hardest. So pretty much middle of the road for the rest of the way. And it starts today. And it's it's pretty close to a must win. Yeah, Rich, it's a must. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, just up here. Rich, what, uh, um, where, where are things with Aaron Rodgers and him being with the team and, and his rehab? He's back in California now. He came out for a couple of days. Obviously very visible at the Kansas City game. That Garen likes being in the spotlight, um, but he was back in California after a couple of days. After that, he posted a bunch of photos on his Instagram account. You saw um, some actually very artistic kind of black and white photos of him rehabbing. I think his plan is to stay in California till week seven during the bye week. Then I think he's going to come back to Jersey. Uh, he wants to be able to walk um, without crutches before he can come back, and so. From all indications, from what he, he said, he's ahead of the normal protocols for Achilles, uh, you know, a repair, and he's still <laughs> clinging to the belief uh, that he's going to play again this season. I don't yeah. personally, I don't think that's going to happen, yeah. but uh, he's he's going for it. Yeah, no, I, I I don't agree. I remember when Jerry Rice came back from his ACL and he went and caught a touchdown versus the Denver Broncos and blew it and tore his and, and um, fractured his kneecap. So I, I just. You know, he's a human like everybody else. I don't think he's going to – he doesn't have any special healing power. So, I, I, if you're a Jets fan out there thinking that, that Aaron Rodgers come back this season, uh, I, I just don't – I don't agree with that. But, anyway, thanks a lot, Rich. Um, and uh, right. that's the oh, – go ahead. Enjoy the uh, Sunday, guys. All thanks, right. Rich. Thanks a lot. Uh, that's the Rich Semenya Report brought to you by the engagement experts at London Jewelers. Visit, that, visit them at any of their seven locations, including Short Hills, or shop online at LondonJewelers.com. Uh, right now, we're going to throw it back to Anita, who spoke with uh, Denver Broncos reporter Jeff uh, Legwald. Uh, so uh, see you guys later. Stay in, uh, Keep it locked in here, 98.7 FM. Uh, ESPN New York. Amani, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Great job with Rich Samini. Now, Jeff Legwald joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. We heard from Rich. Time to hear from the other team. Jeff Legwald does an excellent job, of course, covering the Denver Broncos. And Jeff, obviously, um, one of the biggest storylines that I'm sure will be talked about on all networks is, of course, the Sean Payton comments about Nathaniel Hackett. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers did not appreciate it. This team, I think, is going to be playing with a little extra juice today to defend their offensive coordinator. Your thoughts on that storyline? Anita, they acted this week this week like they was the hope it goes away bowl. I mean, they all pretended, uh, at least publicly, nobody said anything. But John uh, Payton was immensely... Uh, critical of Nathaniel Hackett and his staff. And, uh, you know, everybody played nice publicly this week, except for maybe a, a few Jets players said they uh, they felt like they they needed to, to stick up for Hackett or, or, you know, at least make the Broncos feel it. But, uh, you know, Peyton, for his part, just tried to act like or, or hope no one reminded him that he said all that. And I I think it's very clear that uh, he did not reach out to, to Hackett, you know, since then, as he as he promised he would in August. So uh, it's all bubbling there beneath the surface, uh, I think. And I don't know anybody who knows Nathaniel Hackett who 
doesn't think he, you know, remembers everything that was said and, and, you know, was not happy about it. I think this week, though, he got two one and three teams. Maybe if the one was four and oh and one was three and one, they would have made this into a big, bigger thing. But I think both teams are got their bigger problems they're trying to solve right now than, than sort of what got said in August. Um, you know, and, in, in regard to what was said, uh, you know, can totally understand why Nathaniel Hackett and, and, and the Jets are, are, are not happy about it. And Aaron Rodgers, of course, came out and, and voiced his opinion uh, in regard to what was said. But numbers don't lie, Jeff, right? And even though this is a, a, a Denver Broncos team that's one in three, a big reason here as to why they're losing is on the defensive side of the ball, not because of Russell Wilson. His numbers actually have been quite impressive. Um, some of his numbers, top three, top five in the NFL of all 32 starting quarterbacks plus. So, you know, obviously, what, what, what is Sean Payton, what is Sean Payton, what has he had done with Russell Wilson? Um, and, and why did Russell struggle so much with Nathaniel Hackett? Well, yeah, I think that the biggest thing they've done this year is what they should have done uh, last year and just, just get the ball out of Wilson's hands more quickly and construct the offense to either make him do that or, uh, you know, just make that a topic of conversation at, at every moment. Last year he just simply... Uh, held the ball too long, and they didn't. They didn't protect well at all last year. They were not very good up front. Uh, they could not hold their ground in pass protection. And his reaction to that last year was to hold the ball, try and move around, try and make plays late in the down, and it and it rarely worked out well for him. So, and you know, before they started the offseason program, Sean Payton essentially said. This is how we're going to run the offense. You know, we're going to move at a higher tempo. We want you to get the ball out of your hands quicker. Uh, we're going to call plays to do that. We're going to give you route combinations to do that. And then he told Russell to get in better shape. And Russell did his part. You know, he lost between 10 and 15 pounds. So, you know, whoever you believe in that and is moving better. And again, he. Uh, people wondered, you know, can he be coached hard at this point in his career? And uh, He has done his part. They've coached him hard. He has followed directions, and he's run the offense the way they want to. And got a couple 300-yard games, and it's, you know, that's, that's one of the tougher things for the Broncos. If you'd have said in July, you know, I think people would have said, if they could just get Russell Wilson figured out, then, you know, they'll be in the mix. And here they are at one and three, and he is the least uh, of their worries right now. I mean, he's playing very well, and and there's no reason to believe he can't play well. In fact, the numbers would be even better if they would play the rookies, Marvin Mims and, and Jaleel McLaughlin, a little more. Uh, if they'd quit holding those guys back, uh, his Wilson's numbers would even be a little better. A big reason why this Denver Broncos team is 1-3 is because their defense just has, has not been stellar, to say the least. Um, what what gives? Why why has this this defense, especially their their past defense, just has not been great? Made uh, Justin Fields look like a Hall of Famer, but then again, so did the Washington Commanders last night. Um, but with that being said, what, what is it? What is it about this Denver Broncos defense that uh, that they're struggling so much? Well, I mean, you know, they're, they're kind of a few things have happened. One is they. You know, after you fire your coach every two years, uh, you're just not going to have any depth because every new coach wants 20 or 30 new guys. They want a new scheme, uh, and they just remake the roster again. So they were not a deep team when they got to training camp. In fact, I, I think it was the thinnest depth chart overall that I had seen in my time on the beat here. So, uh you take that, and then they had probably the three worst injuries they could have had. Baron Browning, maybe their best all-around pass rusher, uh, hurt his knee in OTAs and had surgery, so he has not played yet. And then Justin Simmons got hurt and missed two games at safety. And then their nickel corner, 
maybe the most important guy in the secondary, Kwan Williams, had ankle surgery before uh, during training camp, and he has not played. And you take those three guys out of a thin depth chart, and you get what they've had so far. You've got a lot of guys playing out of position or playing more than they expected, making a ton of assignment errors, and uh, you know probably no lower point than the touch. 10 uh, touchdown barrage the Dolphins put on them uh, a couple weeks ago, but they played a lot more man defense in the second half against the Bears, and it and it actually settled them down, so I, I think the Jets can expect a little more of that, which means maybe uh, Pat Sertan with a little more one-on-one matchup with Garrett Wilson. So with that being said, before we let you go, what are your expectations for uh, for late Sunday afternoon? How, how do you what what's how do you see this game materialize? Uh, who do you think wins and why? I, you know, I think if the Broncos can sort of settle down on offense, you know, I know their de- you know their defensive troubles are well documented, but really, uh, their offense hasn't bailed them out either when they've had the chance, and if they're willing to run the ball, I've been very surprised at how people have run the ball against the Jets when I went back and looked at it. Uh, They're giving up some rushing yards, but Sean Payton isn't always as patient as he should be in the run game, and if he does find some patience, I think the Broncos can can just sort of get the tempo of the game uh, where they want it and, and maybe squeak one out. All right, again, I want to thank Rich Cimini as well as Jeff Legwald joining us here on New York Game Day, getting you ready for both the Giants and the Jets matchup. Quick break. We come back. It's time for my locks of the week. I went 3-0 and last week, 3-0, and so I'm 9-6 and on the season. Can that continue? We will find out. So stay tuned. We kick off hour number three next, New York Game Day, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is New York Game Day, presented by Sansone Auto. Discover for yourself the S in Sansone Savings. Sansone Dodge Jeep Ram, Route 1 in Woodbridge, or SansoneJeep.net. Play Mohegan. Your favorite casino games are now in the palm of your hand. Visit MoheganSunCasino.com. Must be 21 or older to play. And by Corona, an official cerveza of the New York Jets.